Welcome to the Tailoring Talk Show with me, your host, Roberto Rivilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer, and owner of Roberto Rivilla London Suit and Shirt Makers. This is the podcast where you drop in for the threads, but often leave with something quite unexpected. I talk to self-starters and creators about their journeys, the highs and lows, and the lessons they've learned along the way. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please help me out by leaving a rating and a review. Today's guest is the founder of Polypay. Polypay provide businesses with a partner who offers them honesty, transparency, customer support, and savings for merchant processing. She brings a knowledge base of over a decade of owning a company, as well as working in the financial services space. She's a wealth of resource to those of you who might be looking to become an entrepreneur, as well as bringing a unique perspective on how to increase customer retention and look at businesses and services from the customer point of view. Originally from Bloomfield Hills in Michigan, she now resides in Arroyo Grande in California and Columbus, Ohio with her 15-year-old rescue terrier, Spike. Tailoring Talkers, please join me in welcoming Jamie Barlett to the Tailoring Talk Show. Jamie, how are you? I'm just lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Now, I have a question to ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Wait, let me. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Yes. Do do you play euchre? No. No, I love cards, but no, I don't play euchre. No, I've played. <laughs> I love poker. Um, uh, you know, that's been my big thing is poker. And my, I remember in sixth grade, my teacher taught me one-handed solitaire. I used to play that all the time. Uh, but no, why? Do tell. Um. Because I was once told, uh, not <laughs> not that long ago, actually about an hour ago, um, <laughs> that if I ever met anyone from Michigan, that I should oh. ask if they played euchre, because apparently it's a Michigan thing. I must know the context for this conversation you had. Uh, well, Mich- was it someone from a Michigander, as they said, or... Uh, no, where's Eric from? I should know, because only if you... Uh, he's from Indiana. Um, oh, right. but, and then right. I just mentioned that because he, he said something about the States and I said, oh, I said, my next guest is actually originally from Michigan, but splits her time between Ohio and California. And he said, oh, he said, she'll be really <laughs> impressed. This this is I've ruined of, that now, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, you've completely. Yeah, I know. It's, you've taken sorry, the jam Eric, out. Wherever you totally, are, I'm sorry. It's been totally, totally took the jam out of my donut. Um, but he said that you'd be super impressed if I asked that question. I am so sorry. I forgive me. No, I like cards in general. So 50-50 on that answer, Eric. Sorry. No, I have always wanted to, I did want to learn. I'll say I'll say that. But yes, maybe because it's just so damn cold over there. We sit inside and play cards. I don't I don't know, but I do love cards. So I'm sorry, Eric, wherever you are, I'll give you a, a, a B on that. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I will as well. Um, I feel <laughs> cheated. Um, but yeah, there we go. So there's something that we you touched on, actually, now people, obviously, you started your own business, Polypay, you've opened a second location now. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been for you in recent years? And, and then after that, I'm going to just take you back to when you started a business and, you know, kind of how you got there. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I bought a home out here in Columbus. I had always wanted to come back to where my family was. Uh, and 
that was about two years ago. And I thought it was just going to be a place to just come and back and, and visit family and whatnot. And then I uh, kind of thought about, well, maybe I can expand because we were doing quite well anyway, being in California and being in at that time about eight states, I'd say. Mm. Uh, and I thought this will just be, a, you know, to be close to family and whatnot. And I thought, well, what if we just sort of, you know, see what the landscape's like here. And, um, you know, as we discussed earlier, the Midwestern um, approach and, and attitude is very welcoming. So I, it's been very successful for us in the past couple of years. And I almost liken it to Robert, like a do-over. It's like I learned, I cut, you know, I cut my teeth on all the mistakes I made, in, you know, years and years ago. And it's like you get to start over in a whole new place, but you have this whole um, quiver of skills that you mm. can, you know, you can pull out and and deal with any issues now. So it's it's kind of like getting a do over, but you already have like five degrees in what to do and not do. So <sighs> it's definitely um, ex um, exploded the growth in this this part of the area for us. Definitely just because we know the hurdles, we know what to look for now. So that's been the fun part to see how quickly we can accelerate. Yeah, that's that's. So awesome. I actually, sorry, now I'm going to, now I'm going to completely go off on a tangent because I'm really curious. I, just because he sat next to me, but Bailey is my rescue dog. Yes. He's a, he's a Cocker Spaniel. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about Spike. Oh my gosh, Spike. I need to update my information. He's 16 now, which I can't oh. believe. Yeah. So he is a rescued, um, uh, rescued Silky that w actually wandered onto my friend's property. Um, I was actually over in Seattle visiting a friend and he wandered up from the road and he had like, it was horrible, Robert. He had kind of bits of a trash bag on him. Somebody oh. must have thrown him out on the road and he yeah. fought his way out of this little trash bag. So um, I just was blown away. I hadn't had a dog in years. I had a Westie growing up, a mm -hmm. West Town White Terrier. And I hadn't, you know, I was in my, uh, late twenties, early thirties at that time, almost. And I hadn't a dog since I was 13. And I thought, God, I can't, I can't do this. But, you know, I think we're, the universe sort of tells you, and he was just this curious little, he almost looks like a crabby little owl. He's about 14 pounds. And he just, uh, I just thought, oh my God, can I do this? And then the worst thing, Robert, never have a friend name your dog. I was like, well, what should I name him, Bob? And he's like, eh, Spike. I'm like, oh, this. So I went with it. I don't know why I went with it. He's he looks far more sophisticated than a spike, but he's he had when he was little, he had sort of a mohawk uh, right. of fluffy baby hair. So um, yeah, he's been with me ever since. He goes into work. Uh, he flies back and forth with me every time. So he's he's a trooper. I, I I I we both joke. We're both so old that we both wake up in the morning. I look down on the floor on him. He looks up. It's like, oh, we've cheated death again. All right. Let's <laughs> let's go have a good day you know like you both made it let's go let's go for it you know so yeah he's a he's a dear little thing i appreciate him very much and i appreciate he puts up with me i love that i really do yeah i was he uh we were just going on a, a vacation to the south coast and my wife actually spotted this brown dog kind of hopping along on three legs on the side of the the highway Mm -hmm. And uh, we we sort of turned around, looped back round, and then picked him up. And he he had a broken leg. And anyway, long story short, we managed to get him back to London. Wow. And he had several surgeries and a lot of rehab. But he's been with us for five years now, and he never leaves leaves my side. Oh, and that's and and, and awesome. I it sounds a bit. It's not meant to sound patronizing or anything, but I think there is definitely a difference in 
having a as having had an animal that we got from a, a groomer a groomer a breeder before mm. and then getting i think a rescue animal is a completely different experience because i think don't, don't you agree i think they yeah. know the difference and not that you want them to be grateful but it's almost like that bond is is times a thousand from maybe a typical animal that you might buy or get from some other some other purpose you know and it's that's what that's what i've enjoyed is they they definitely velcro themselves to you and and they're a whole part of your soul which hurts you know it's hard it hurts even harder i think when you when you lose them yeah no totally i'm not looking forward to that at all but he it's really funny though because i have photographs of him from when we found him right so we you know obviously we're trying to find a vet to fix him up so that we could get him back to to, to london again and th- this dog is broken, Jamie. Like he's he's in so much pain, and you know his eyes are kind of dead. It's almost like he was right on the edge, like scarred up and everything, like bones. I mean, you could see his mm-hmm. rib cage and everything. And then I have a picture from probably about forty eight hours later, which is the day that we get him back home. And so we're setting up his crate and everything because his leg had to be fixed with pins and he was he had to be crated for like six months. Can you believe it? Oh, and uh, so so I'm setting up his crate and we got like a big bed for him and we put him in the bed and it's like try and keep him there while we set the crate up. And I have two photographs on our refrigerator. And the first one is the one from literally the day that we found him where, you know, broken you know, this dog's on the edge, all the rest of it. And then one from 48 hours later. So he's been through a lot of trauma. He's been through major surgeries, had this big sort of thing back to London. This dog is sitting in the bed, stretched out, right? (laughs) Yes. Bright-eyed, looking up at the camera, like the look on his face says, I've arrived. This will do. <laughs> That's right. This will do. I've this gone from lovely. living in yes. a, in an outhouse or a barn or something to a uh, right. you know five bedroom. And now he says, "I'll have a snack, please, followed by a uh, you know a nap. Thank you very much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, please yeah. don't bother me until two o'clock. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't incredible. that amazing? It's amazing mm. what what the spirit and what you know. Uh, I think that's human or or not. I think you, it's amazing. I think how much what your environment does to you, even not of course he, he being hurt, of course, but I think you you whenever you move environment, human, animal, whatever, it has an immense impact on on your soul and how you operate and how you feel and what you can do and what you can't do for sure. So that's I love it. That's a wonderful Bailey story. And yeah. why is he Bailey? Um it's because so we're in the car on the way back, and uh, you know, obviously we're we're kind of just joshing around names for him. And we'd just seen uh, a dog's, oh God, what was that movie? There was a movie that came out a few years ago with Dennis Quaid. Um, oh yeah, isn't it? Isn't a it A Dog's, dog's journey, Life? A Dog's, a dog's Journey? Some, a Dog's yeah, Journey. Like, yeah. A Dog's Journey. And, mm-hmm. and so he loses his dog when he's a young boy, but then the dog's spirit Come kind back. of reincarnates, reincarnates, and eventually re- kind of his spirit goes into a dog which older Dennis Quaid basically then I guess comes into ownership of and then he recognizes yes. it's the same dog from when yes. he was a kid. And 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 you know it was a big thing. He used to say to him when he did his trick where he would sort of like crouch over and then the, he'd throw the stick up in the air and the dog would jump on his back and leap into the air to catch the thing. And it was baby baby baby. And that really stuck in my wife's head. Oh, okay. And so yeah, so I think she just really wanted to be able to say that to something. Okay. 
And so <laughs> there we go. But he looks like a baby. He does. Okay. See, that's you'll, good. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah. Meet him spike in a does not look like a spike. I'm not sure. I know <laughs> people were at the vet or whatever, you know, and you'd expect some 50 pound animal, you know, and they're like a uh, spike marlette here. And, you know, and here comes th- all 13 pounds of them, you know, we're like, hi, we're here. Okay. Yeah. Like, Who are you no, having exactly. this on now? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, one one of the, the the nice things about hearing hearing your story with Spike, because at the end of the day, you're visiting someone completely, you know, distance away yeah. from where, where your home is. Yeah. Dog wanders onto your friend's property, and you th- there's there's no obligation on you to do anything about this. No, no. But Could have just actually, turned him into the. You know, we called around, but yeah, he didn't have a collar. He didn't have any yeah. chipping. Anything. Yeah. But it, it says something to because then if I then sort of move that back to your business, you place a big emphasis on customer service, the customer experience and so on. And I truly believe that the best people at that are people who have a level of they're able to empathize. They have a le- level mm-hmm. of compassion. They're able to put themselves on the other side of the fence and see see some see things from the customer's point of view. And and those are the best people at, you know, putting together the customer journey. And so I'm going to shut up now because I'm actually saying the stuff that I want you to get into. Um, but do you think there's something to that, that the, the kind of the, the people that are sort of best at this whole kind of customer service deal, whatever business they're in, ha- have to have those kind of qualities? I, I think so. I think they have to have um, also a, not being afraid of having sort of an emotional connection to your customer I think we're in a world, maybe whether you agree or not, Robert, there's there's sort of this very cold screen. Ba- I mean, here we are, we're on screens, but I mm. think the conversation is quite lovely and warm. But, you know, we're in a world that's uh, it's screens and, you know, you go out to places and there's children, you know, no one sits at dinner tables and mm. looks at anyone. You know, everyone's on the phone. I've seen people hit by cars in San Francisco because they're walking across you know, Mission Street and they get hit Same. by, and then they look shocked, you know? So I think we've lost that connection of looking and listening. I remember being younger and, you know, my parents teaching me looking at somebody in the eyes and you're engaging them and they appreciate them. And I don't think, I think we've lost that art. I, you know, I still say to wait staff, yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. You know, and they kind of look at you a bit shocked and it's like, mm. that's a hard job. I think there is a sort of, maybe the word is sort of an empathy there is a connection. And in order to do that, you have to open yourself up to that person. And I don't, I think people are afraid of doing that. Now I've done it before in the sales world or whatever, and people kind of, you know, knock you away and you have to be prepared for that, but you have to realize, I think, and in your, in your line of business is very personal. I mean, it's someone's look and feel and their confidence and whatnot, and you have to listen and, and absorb what they're telling you in order to create something for them. And I think, very much you just have to be an open channel to people and uh, you know i've always learned if you let people talk and you ask them they're going to tell you what they want and i think that's what on a whole most business owners or customers just want to be heard and i mm. think in in a world where there's all this chatter and and junk communication and junk video stuff out there everywhere i think the the voice is getting lost and then in turn, I'd like to pose a question to you, Robert, in, in your industry or in general, is um, there's no, lo- I think people are exclaiming there's not a lot of loyalty anymore. You know, there. Yeah. do you remember you would kind of always, you always went to the same restaurant or you went to mm-hmm. you bought your suits from the same store or you bought 
um, your your clothes or your car from the same dealership. And business owners lament that there is no loyalty anymore. But I kind of wonder how to look at that because I would say, all right, I would turn around and say it to benefit me and say, all right, well, that's why 10 years later, I, Robert, I still have my own first customer. I think because I took, I would continue to take good care of them. But at the same time, I also wonder if businesses have just stopped trying or it is because they're just comprised of these people now that don't, for whatever lack of skill, they don't have the ability to interact to bring that brand to life. You know, I, you know, you go up to a store, I was at a dealership the other day and I serviced a car and uh, I was servicing a car and the, the, the young gentleman barely looked up from me. He looked up at me. Mm. Yes. What? Hold on just a minute. You know, just walked off, didn't say hello, nothing. Didn't ask if I had any other questions. And, and you know, I thought, God, I bought a car here. I'm like, I mean, no offense. I mean, it wasn't like I bought a, a cup of coffee or something. Um, so I just wonder I, 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 if I can throw it back to you. Do you think it is, in fact, because the um, the businesses, you know, you know, aren't right like they were 30, 40, even 20 years ago, where there was this focus on a level of quality? Or, you know, is it a vice versa? What would you say? I th- I think it's quite a complex subject and like we could talk about this forever right and also I think generationally because now I feel like I'm getting to be like a dinosaur because I'm in my mid-40s and uh, you know I'm now starting here yeah I'm starting to say (laughs) things that you know maybe my mother or father would have said about 25 (laughs) years ago um Mm -hmm. but so when I so, so let me let me just share a little bit of, of of kind of my story, my attitude to it, because I'm known for customer service like you. I'm, I mean, I remember the first guy that ever gave me a chance, Simon Glynn, 3rd of November, 2002. First oh, guy to it. give me a chance and have me measure him up. And I, I still remember his measurements. I remember exactly his measure, 40 chest, 47 overarm, 33 and a half inch waist, 41 inch seat. He ordered a black suit with with light gray stripes and we put a silver lining on the inside of it. Um, I was so nervous when I was measuring him, but he has been my he's he's still my customer today. Most of my customers have stayed with me through my entire career. I've been doing this for 20 years now. Um, When I first got into this. I remember saying to the recruiter, uh, because he was like, just like, you know, what kind of companies do you want to work for? And, uh, you know, what do you want to do? And how much money do you want to make? And and I said to him, put all of that aside for a second. And I was about 23, 24 years old at the time. I said, I, I just really love working with people. I love helping people. I love taking mm-hmm. care of people. So find me a job where I can do that. And by the way, if it happens to be in clothing, awesome. Um, you know, because I, you know, I'm an art and design major, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I'd always. So, been what was interested. their reaction? What was the what was the face? What was the well, reaction? I mean, you know, credit to him. He was like, okay, fine, that makes sense. And then, you know, he 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 put three opportunities in front of me, and one happened to be with with a large visiting tailor that had opened in in Europe at the time. But that was the third option. You know, the first option was was working in information technology, which was the sales job I'd just come out of. So he said, you'd be going back into that environment again. But rather than that kind of account manager, sort of high pressure salesy type role, it's more on the marketing side. So you'll get to work with people in different types of parts of the business. The second one was um, for Stanis Sterliffs, which basically meant 
so the way he sold it to me jamie was like okay so jamie you will be traveling around okay great i like traveling okay you will have a company car oh awesome you'll have a really high basic okay well i mean i said put the money aside but that's nice okay great so what am i going to be doing you're going to be visiting elderly people and you'll be selling them the uh, chairlifts oh okay i do like helping people but i kind of don't like you know because you know when you're young you don't really want to be doing that so anywhere i didn't anyway so i was like i'm not sure about that so let's put that one right. aside what's the third one and then the third one happened to be in the industry that i wanted to be in anyway but i've always um i've always come at things from a place of how how can i help this person rather than so many of the relationships not just in my industry but many others as well are very very transactional it's all about the money first or it's about the sale or it's about the salesperson's commission check mm -hmm. or it's about the business's bottom line um whereas for me it's always about how can i help this person how can i how can i serve them to the best of my ability and when mm -hmm. things go wrong what is it that i need to do to get them to a resolution in the quickest and least painful way possible mm -hmm. no matter what it costs to the business or to myself and that's where i've always come from so i was always the the salesperson who would you know if if my boss wouldn't authorize for something to be done or for a partial refund or something like that i would cut the client a check from my own pocket and 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 you know just just to, and, and you know my clients would look at me and they're like why are you giving me a check for a hundred bucks or whatever it was and i'm like yeah well, because we really we owe you that money but i can't get it authorized by my boss but you're my customer and i and i, I need to do right by you and they're just like this is completely nuts who is this kid is he crazy? They're still with me today. Exactly. When I started my own business, they all came with me. But and that's an extreme example of the things that 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 you know I've done. And um I don't like you, I don't see that nowadays in many places I go to, you know, like I'm buying a new car at the moment and I have had to chase and chase and chase salespeople to have an initial conversation, to try and book a test drive, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like what world are we living in where someone's yeah. trying to buy like a 55, 60, $65,000 vehicle and the customer's having to do all the chasing? Yeah. It's just yeah. It's they should be insane. camped outside in front of your door. I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, it, it, that's especially... It imagining you know the environment that we're in and the climate and there's all this doom and gloom around and so on absolutely yeah i mean you're you're their their dream right there just coming here with yet yeah, it's like you can't get people to hand you money i mean and that, yeah. i don't understand that same in, in in my business i think there is a lot of the payment processing world is filled with a lot of really um bad operators that are very underhanded and and like i like your talk about you know with your first client and beyond. I think people don't know how to think long game. I, I think there, as you said, it, it's about a quick buck. It's about what, all right, I'm moving on. You know, people, you're, you're discarded and you're, you know, you're the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I think you have to also hire people 
um, uh, that are going to espouse that as well. Because I think you can, you know, that was my problem. My growing pain first few years was I knew what I wanted. I wanted to play the long game. Like you, I've done that. I've cut a check for customers like, you know, the terminal they got didn't work. And our partner that was providing the product was like, well, sorry, it's two days out of, I mean, that mm. happened to us, two days out of warranty. I'm like, come on. I mean, we've, we've, we've sent you how many customers and they're like, well, sorry, it's just policy. So I cut the customer check for, yeah, it wasn't very much, but still, I was still growing. It was like a $200 terminal for their business and they were, and they're still with us. And that because yeah. they, you know, we realized and, and people are like, well, that's eating into, as you said, the, the, your friends say or whoever that, 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 well, that's eating into your, you know, your nut there. And it's like, no, think long. I mean, sure, maybe they might turn around in a year and go, yeah, we're out of here. Well, I'm sorry for them, but that's not on me. That's on them. But I know I did everything I was supposed to. And, and but the long, the answer to that story was they're still with us. And yeah. I don't think people understand that it's, it's not a quick process. It's a, it's a, it's a long process and it's, and that's what you want it to be. And sometimes that's painful. And sometimes you know, there's so much you have to do for certain customers. And it's funny, some of our largest customers never hear from them. They don't need anything. And some of our really small customers and some of my team members get a little they're like, oh, they're on the phone again. I go, hey, they're small. They don't have lots of people helping them. They're going to come to us a lot. That's what we promise them. Mm -hmm. So whether, sorry, you had a bad day or you're short tempered, you've got to be there for them. And I think I am so grateful for the team that I have now. But that was my other problem in growing was those first few years, I started to try and hire some people right out of college, Robert, and they had some sales experience and whatnot, but they literally came to the interview and they're like, all right, so I'm going to need, I hadn't even hired them. They said, I'm going to need um, this off because I have to go to Coachella a Music Festival um, and I'm not, and can I work two days from home? And this is pre, obviously pre pre pandemic. Yeah. They literally came with this list of and they're 22 years old had, you know, maybe had a job in a coffee shop and you know, there's an opportunity to help build a business and they just couldn't have cared. It was all about how is this going to benefit me? I don't really care about your mission or your customers. When do I get paid? Uh, is there a bonus structure? And and so I my joke is I I kissed a lot of frogs before I got to you know, some good prince and princesses that have worked for me now. And, but I think once you have that, that whole environment is so powerful. And, and I think as a business owner too, it's on you to create. I know we talked earlier about environment yeah. and I think environment is so important because I think more than time and money is people's lives. If you know, anybody can be anywhere. I mean, I know everyone has to have a job unless you live on a trust fund. Well, congratulations to you. Yeah. But everybody's got to be somewhere, right? So the fact that I always think every day in my, uh, I'm in my office and I see my team members come in and I realize they chose to come here. They didn't have to come here. And, and this is their life. I mean, the, you know, the minute we're born, you know, the clock is ticking down. And the fact that they come in there every day and they feel like they're listened to, I, I think that's important to the customer service as a business owner to your own employees, right, Robert? Mm. That's, that's another vertical of it. No wonder people, nobody wants to work because no one is listening to anybody. No one wants to, it takes hard work to create an environment where you you say, please come in and tell me if you have issues. Let's talk about it. Are you okay at home? Are you exhausted? What can we do? Can we get you more help? I think that's another level of it that business owners don't do. And then they just throw their hands up and go, why won't anyone work for me? Well, yeah, you got to look at, you know, people, people are tired now. People want to come into a place where they're appreciated and they feel safe mentally and physically and things like that. And I think that's another 
another piece to the equation that I think a lot of business owners ignore because a happy business, a happy, uh, you know, team, I love watching them all day long. They, they, that energy gets passed along down from them to your employees, to the customers, because you can hear them on the phone. Hi, welcome. This is, it's Polypit. What can I do for you? You, you can feel that, that good feel that they have, that they like what they do. They like making a difference and they like coming in. And, and that's all I could ask for. To me, that's the best part. Yeah. There's, that's that's really interesting and and it's quite you don't hear what you've just told me often enough there's one thing that I've realized recently you know I've been doing pretty much every single almost every single job in my business for the last 12 years that I've been going on my own because I launched back in 2012 in my own name um 2011 sorry and we just uh we just hired our first full-timer Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing if she's listening to this I haven't got her editing this yet that'll be the next thing but Queen is absolutely superb like honestly um, I don't ever want to lose her um, and you know it's something that I've had to learn but you know I think one thing that has really helped is that we my wife and I we sat down and we really sort of asked ourselves and said what's our what's our vision here what do we want our company to look like and what do we want people to say about our business mm-hmm. when they hear its name or they talk about us and it was something I haven't got it in front of me but it was it was something like um you know to be known as um uh customer service the best blah 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 all that kind of stuff right um and uh also friendly approachable because those are things that a lot of our competitors are not now where that's helped um is that I'm a morning person in the sense that I get up at 5 a.m oh bless your heart all right (laughs) right yeah (laughs) I get up at 5 a.m if I if I get up later I feel like I've wasted day I'm not I do my best work in the mornings as well but the problem is my 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 engine doesn't kind of warm up till maybe about I want to say 10 o'clock, but that's probably still too generous. It's probably about midday when I can actually deal with other human beings. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's not good when my appointments start at eight in the morning. The 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 really powerful thing of, and, and fortunately I've been given a lot of rope by my clients over the years because they've known me for a long time. They know that by and large, if they're having a first thing in the point, uh, first thing in the morning appointment with me at eight, that they should they shouldn't even text message me to ask me they should just bring me a cup of coffee um price of admission yeah exactly price of admission but you can't do that with I mean I shouldn't be doing that with people that I've known for 10 15 20 years at all you definitely can't do it with people that you're meeting for the first time but having that kind of vision statement written down really really helps because it puts it at the forefront of my mind my wife and business partner's mind our EA's mind now as well so that it doesn't matter what's going on on our side Mm -hmm. when when the phone rings Mm -hmm. or when the intercom goes the buzzer goes and and a client's going to walk in we just kind of run that mantra that vision statement through our minds and it's we are yes we are open we are friendly we are approachable we are here to help them and all of a sudden all of that kind of bad juju stuff just goes out the window. Yep. It's showtime. Yes. It's showtime. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Have, have you, have you, have you done a level or a form of that with, with your own organization? 
given that you've probably got about 300 times more the people than I have? I don't know about that, but in ter- you mean in terms of kind of yeah, level how do you create? Yeah, I mean because you like you say it doesn't matter which. I guess it doesn't matter which of the two offices you're in. You could walk in, kind of just sit and just look at everybody working away and just be so proud and and mm-hmm. happy of the energy and the vibe that's going on. But that's come from the top. That's come from you. So yes. so how have you done that? How have you managed to really instill that level of enthusiasm, energy, strength? um goodwill in in your organization through all of your employees i think the uh, as i'd mentioned before robert you know i never thought i would start a business i'm 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 pretty good with people i get my energy from people but at my i don't know how you are but at the end of the day as an introvert i'm just uh i'm, I'm going to use my british slang here i'm knackered um after that i just sort of like the energy i'm like all right i need a bit of a time to 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 re recenter but i think when I was in the corporate world that I thought I was going to spend my 40 years in and get the gold watch and things like that, mm. and just, you know, be grateful for that. I think uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I know everybody is supposed to be where they're supposed to be for a reason. Um, but I think what I learned there was actually how to not be a, a, a how to, how to not be a bad boss, because unfortunately I ran through a slew of them. Um, I felt in my, with a few good ones peppered in there, but I I did a lot of consulting work in the first few years of, of my official grown up life. So it was, it was a good thing for someone who didn't know yet exactly what they wanted to be. So it was almost like having nine jobs over four years because, you know, you'd have an engagement that would go four or five months, you'd move on to the next thing. So being, you know, in your early twenties, that seemed fascinating, but you also never saw anything get to fruition. Um, but when you're young and just sort of ADD and like, what's the next cool thing? What's the next cool thing? But I went through a lot of pretty awful bosses in that, um, at that moment of time. And I just thought, how are these people in this level of position? How are they, how are they, am I the, you know, am I the only one, you know, I'd speak with people my age and they're like, no, it's just, I mean, yeah, he's pretty, I mean, I, I could tell I'd asked around, you know, with different bosses I had and everyone seemed to agree and I thought, well, why, you know, why is this okay? And I felt like helpless that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I, you couldn't affect change. I couldn't voice my concerns. I mean, I had a boss that made me cry. I mean, that's not right. I mean, no. I, I don't think that's right at all. Oh, hi, Bailey. Sorry, he's just jumped <laughs> up on me for everybody listening. Fantastic hair. I love it. Fantastic Isn't it cool? hair. <laughs> I love a it. Little... I just want to. <laughs> Sorry, so you <laughs> no, sorry you were no. saying. You know, just saying, um, you know, I think that that was one of the big tipping points for me later on down the line when I sort of had a slightly less um acerbic experience um with another boss. And I just thought the only way I can control this is to build my own environment. I thought this mm. is annoying, this is limiting. You felt concerned every time I walked into work. I mean, I would literally sometimes have panic attacks driving to work because I was like, I don't want to be here. And I thought What a horrible thing. And these people probably wouldn't even care if I told them that I was having this issue. Um, So that was really the impetus for me to start Polypay was I thought the only way I can control this is I know how not to be a bad boss. I know how to build. I feel like through all these years of all the bad conversations I've had, um, things I've witnessed in the office, I thought I know I've pretty much at that point, if I knew anything, I thought, I hadn't even decided what kind of business I was going to do yet. Mm. I thought, I know what kind of environment I am going to build. 
I know how I'm going to make people feel heard. I'm always going to have my door open. Um, I always love this quote. I forget who said it, but, you know, the thing about being a good boss is hiring people smarter than you and letting them do their job. And I think that's the big thing for me is you don't know everything. You have to keep learning. And even people who are more junior, they have, I love it. You know, I miss them when I'm in Columbus. I miss my California team because I am, we were always, even during the pandemic, always there, always, you know, safely in person, but um, there's an energy to that problem solving. And we'd all come in, you know, a call come in or a customer has an issue and, you know, even more junior people will have a great idea. I go, well, hell, I've been in business eight years or something. I didn't think of that. But that's the beauty. I mean, and if, mm. as, if someone feels comfortable to be in an environment like that, who's only been there for a short amount of time and they, they volunteer something, I go, I love that. That means they feel safe. They feel engaged. Their mind is percolating. That's exactly what I want. So forgive me for a long answer there, Robert. But no. I think that was that was the impetus. The journey for that was my own bad experiences and my promise to myself and the rest of my employees that I would never let them walk into an environment like that ever. And I ask them every week, every day, are you happy? Is everything okay? And they're like, Jamie, stop. Okay. We're fine. We're fine. I go, I know, but I just, it's for me, you know, I want to ask it's, you know, and very rarely they're like, Oh, I'm just, I'm a little overworked. I mean, soon as I heard that, all right, we got an assistant. Well, we just tell me that we need an assistant then. Okay. You know, and they were so thankful. They're like, oh, God, thank you. Like, I can hand over 25% of what I'm working on or whatever. So that that was the big thing for me. That's probably one of the, outside of just customer support, that's probably my number one thing I want to make sure is a consistent thing every single day of, you know, of not only my life, but of my team members' lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the other thing, the other reason you've been so consistent from where I'm sitting for the last decade with that because you know very often people start a business with good intentions and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like my former boss and I'm going to you know our product's going to be much better we're not going to be ripping people off etc but but then it kind of lasts for maybe a year or two and then suddenly they become the very thing that they yes. were trying so hard not to be and I, I think because you're obviously so highly aware every day of the of the some very horrible experiences that you went through as an employee i'm guessing that's what's keeping you on the straight and narrow if i can use that term yes yeah (laughs) yes yeah yes i think so because i think any normal person could just turn around and lament and turn it about themselves you know right i mean Mm. they'd have every right to do that you can be that woe is me very bitter i mean that's one thing i pray i'm never in i have met so many bitter people in my life. And I just, I feel sad because that's the worst than being angry, depressed. I think bitter is such a horrible emotion. And I just Mm. promised myself that I was never going, I was just going to take this as ammo and I was going to turn it around and make it into something positive. But yeah, it's, it's a work every day. You know, when you're exhausted and you're like, sometimes I'm like, all right, I don't want to have to ask anybody about their day or why hasn't somebody asked me about my day, you know, or something like that. And you have to realize, I realized with that first employee I hired, I was, it was almost like you went through nine months of pregnancy and you're like, here's your child. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for somebody. Like, yeah. I remember the day I, I hadn't even, it hadn't even crossed my mind. I, I, I extended the offer to the first employee and they signed like, great, I'll see you Monday. And then I literally had sort of a mini panic attack. And I thought, oh my God, I'm responsible for somebody else. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> this is, it was very, that whole weekend, like my just heart, my heart raced. I thought, oh my God, what? 
all right, we have to set the, this up and that up. And I have to go, my God, I have to make sure they get paid because I do all of that. You know, it kind of sounds like for you too, you're you're the jack of all trades for all kind yeah, of yeah. the operational things, right? I do payroll and rent and invoices and I send out checks for our referral partners. I mean, like it all, it all stops here for me, but I, I, I want, I own that. I want that. But it's, you know, it's some days when you're just like, God, I don't want to ask. And you're like, no, you must, you know, you've got to keep that path. Everybody has to feel like they're a part of the team. So yeah, yeah some days lesser than others, but yeah. Yes. I love Consistency. that. Yeah. I love that, you know, taking on a new employee and likening it to a very short nine month pregnancy yeah. because like it's like you know I'm I mean I'm not a parent sadly but um no, when, nor well, I but I have lots of children well, I yeah yeah Bailey I am parents, a parent like, yeah yes. four yeah. of them yes. um and uh and uh, you know you kind of get the news that you're pregnant and then you've got that period of time that lead-in right. time to prepare right prepare the nursery prepare this prepare that go to parenting classes or whatever it is that you lot do um whereas you know probably same as you in the example you gave you know we interviewed even before we interviewed her right we had all of the cvs in front of us on a monday mm-hmm. the resume was on a monday and we, we we saw her name right amongst a bunch it stood out her her first name is queen Love and it. um my wife and i just looked at each other and we we're just like okay she's 90 percent hired just on the basis of her name <laughs> right and um, and as it turned out, the moment she stepped in for interview, we were we we both were trying to stop looking at each other or kicking each other or you know, giggling or whatever because we were just like, no, she's the one, she's the one, yes. she's she's yes. awesome. And um, and and then it was kind of like next day we were like we'd like to make an offer to, and then it was accepted. She accepted immediately. Mm-hmm. And then she had a start date of the following Monday. So I only have three working days to yeah. set everything, her email, phone, this, this, that, everything else. And uh, I remember just not getting any sleep that week whatsoever. But it was literally like, okay, you want to hire someone? Great. And then them handing you a little bundle and saying, right, there yes. you go. Yes. Yeah. Here's the stork with your employee. And I'm like, oh, dear yeah. God, I'm not prepared. That's for this. it. The like, stork flies in with your new employee and you're like, oh, holy shit. I had no yeah. time. Sorry. I had to like yeah. clean rating out yeah. the window. But yeah. right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I just I you just suddenly thought, you know, almost like you were responsible for even feeding them as well. And you're like, oh, my God. And that's a big thing for me, too. I'm like lots of snacks in the office I have. It's funny. I, I think, you know, our California office, it's I have to be pretty proud of that, but I, everybody seems to love our office. Even I remember one day where we, we've been in this office for about five years and it's very comfortable and there's lots of comfy chairs and I, there's always, that's my advice. There's lots of candy, there's snacks, mm. there's, there's games, there's toys, there's magnetic letters on the fridge. There's, you know, there's chalkboards and stuff, you know, you can draw and do stuff when you have a, and I just remember the UPS guy, you know, our, our parcel delivery man came in one day and he'd been coming in for about a month or two. And he just said, you know, this sounds, this looks like a really fun office. I'd like to work here. What I don't, what do you guys do? You know, I mean, obviously he, he was liked his job, but I thought that must be a good sign, you know, for a, gentleman that goes in hundreds of offices every day and he's just like this looks like a this feels and looks like a really fun place and I thought I'll take that as a as a you know a vote of merit there that you know I'm sure he's seen a lot so I I thought it was funny that even in his 
busyness, he was moved to comment on it. So I thought that's that's good. I think all right, I got myself a check mark there. Oh, 100%. I can give you an affirmation or a testament to that because I obviously go into a lot of people's offices because part of my service is visiting mm-hmm. um, particularly busy clients or people who just can't be bothered to sort their clothes out. Um, and so I do see a lot of offices and I know one of my clients, David Turner, he they moved to a new to a new office and uh, the way they kitted it out, his assistant took me on a tour the first time I stepped in there. But that, you know, they got like, a great music playlist going on in the background there's plants everywhere there's um you know they've got a bar they've got a barista serving coffee as you come in um they have a utility room with washing machines and tumble dryers and a little mini gym and like i i said to i said to his ea i said um you know that flat you've been that apartment you've been having problems with you should just give that up and just live here like tom hanks in the terminal <laughs> yes i would just i want to live here i want to work here yes. as well i yes. think i'm going to quit yes. tailoring and i'm going to go into to real estate instead this yes. is awesome yeah yeah but, but that's the point right you create an environment because this is the so now post pandemic this is the challenge that a lot of employers are finding is that a lot of younger um people coming into the workforce want quote unquote work-life balance by mm-hmm. the way anyone who's young that's listening to this right now trust me when I say this there is no such thing as balance in your life you're always unbalanced in some area okay so get yes. that yeah. idea out yeah. of your head straight it's away never, the fulcrum is never perfect no it's never perfect um but but they're they're sort of like you know we're interviewing these 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 kids and and you know they they don't really want to be in the office they want to find out how they can work from home three days a week or four days a Mm -hmm. week or or just be completely remote which is a problem depending on the type of business that you're in and I I use my client David's office as an example I say if they like being at home so much you need to create an environment that is more fun than what they've got there now luckily We've had an energy crisis swoop in, so I've been warning all my clients: uh, you've cut your you've cut your desk space at your offices. All the young people are going to be in the office this fall because they're going to want to switch their heating off at home. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so exactly. you know, if you're going to be really skeptical, you say the energy crisis was actually engineered to get people back to the office. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, going back to the serious point. But again, you've you've done the right thing. You've created a stimulating environment that your employees obviously love being in. And also, more than that, it's an environment that it sounds like they can thrive in. As well. I want to move to Ohio or California and come work for you. <laughs> I, I that, that would be I, a bit of a change, I'm sure, for you. I think a little less cosmopolitan, but... Um, but yeah, I, I, I love it. And I just like when I go in there. And it's we even have couches that kind of... Uh, uh, fold out even into bed. So I know years ago, a few of my employees, when the, you know the girlfriend was not pleased with him or something, he's like, "I'm going to sleep in the office." I'm like, "Great, that's fine. I just don't want any children created in my office. That's all I'm asking yeah. here. I'm not responsible. I'm not a godmother to any anything that was procreated in the office. Thank you." But um, yeah, I think that's very much. I love going into work. I love that everyone does, and I think that's when I, I'm shocked by the level of people that just. Your business very much has to be a, it's an in-person thing. And it's the same thing for us because, you know, 
we go and see how they operate, see what they need. Uh, it's a very, my word is it's a very intimate business because you're talking mm. about someone's financial well-being and their plan. And I joke, I was liking it to, it's like you're lifting up someone's skirts, you know, and you're looking mm. in there and going, seeing this is what we've got to work with. This is what we have to fix. So we were always an in-person um, we were kind of one of those critical necessary businesses. So we were always kind of allowed to operate, which I'm, I'm grateful for because I've talked with many business owners that, again, like you said, are struggling to have people kind of, I say in jokingly, come back to school, you know, go back to in person. And it's like the people have, I've been at a few networking events uh, this past week. People have absolutely lost their social skills. Yeah, I, it's it's it, the people are very awkward. And I go, hey, I'm an introvert. This is hard enough for me being here, you know, but I, people just don't know how to carry a conversation anymore. And it's um, I, I think it's almost too why there's been a huge growth of the podcast. It's like it's like somebody's social life almost sometimes, you know, a bit too. People are people don't want to talk, but they don't mind listening to other people mm-hmm. talk. So how, however, people get their information, that's great. But I just find it very interesting. Yeah, there is a lot of there's been a lot of regression in people's social and interpersonal skills. And I just wonder what that's going to look like. And I wonder how that's affected, you know, I have friends with small children where they haven't been in school for a long time. I thought, I wonder what that's going to do ideally, but thankfully no children, just Spike. So I don't have to worry about that. And he's been very social, so I'm all good. Awesome. Yeah. And as you can see, this one generally just won't leave me alone. I know you've been on just about every podcast episode, haven't you? Shut up. I'm talking to Jamie. Okay. I need to find some more stuff out about her. Um, yeah. So, payment processing. Um, mm. Very <laughs> sexy. Yes. Very sexy. Yes. Extremely. But yes. you know, the thing is, right. So, so we, um, we up until about two months ago had the same terminal that we mm-hmm. started with back in 2011. Oh my right? gosh. Yeah. We we never see anybody in person from the payment processing industry in this country. Not one. The only reason we upgraded is because I started to realize that post-pandemic, you're starting to go back into restaurants and coffee shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they put the machine in front of you. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is... Th- why is this like 200 times more sophisticated than the thing that we have that's still from the noughties, right? Yeah. So I called them up and I said, we haven't had a review on our, on our, you know, rates and stuff for since we started, I'm still using the same terminal from when we started. I mean, have things moved on? Have things changed? Talk to me. And we got put on to much better rates because of the amount of, you know, payments that we take and stuff. And they've sent us this terminal that is amazing. It does Apple Pay and you can mm-hmm. email contactless. Yeah. All contactless. You can build mailing lists and all this other stuff and put products on it and so on. And and um I can't remember why I've just got into that sort of rabbit rabbit sort of thread with you. How have you so your here's my point. I don't know if it if if what I've just described about the UK payment processing industry rings any bells with maybe how it is over in the states. Um your business is obviously very unique in that regard because it's very personal. You've said that it's very in person as well. You really get your sleeves rolled up and get on your knees and get in the dirt with your customers. Mm-hmm. How how are you getting that message out to the marketplace in order to attract new customers? Because in my mind, your formula should be one where 
just about anybody who uses payment processing systems wants to use Polypay. Why would they look at anybody else? So, so how are right. you kind of doing on the marketing side of things and, right. yeah, and, you and know, getting I think that message do, out? Yeah, well, I think we do a lot of you know uh, um, social media. We do a lot of po- I'm not very good at that, so I've got um, someone to help me with that. But a lot of social media. We're very fortunate that. Um, we have a lot. In fact, some of our out-of-state customers from where we are, there's a lot of, uh, I know better than I'm sure you would agree, like a, a customer referral. We mm-hmm. get a lot of customer referrals. Um, so I know that I always tell them we'll treat your referral with you know utmost care because that's somebody not only is your customer, but they've also putting their relationship with that individual on the line. Yeah. To yeah. say, I promise that they will do. So those I'm a very grateful for, and like our, they're a VVVIP in my world because somebody has put that put that notion out. But I think answering about the difference between uh, what's going on in UK versus here, um, unfortunately for us, or unfortunately and unfortunately, is this this industry. There's so many operators. This is such mm. a choked industry here. Yeah. Um, because we're a bit different. We're a true sales organization. There's a lot of people running around on the street here that are just agents. So they're just selling on behalf of some of these very big. Mm. And so they don't give a crap. They're just about closing the deal. Moving, and again, you'll never see them again. Yeah. Some of the worst operators for us are actually the banks themselves, which is a bit depressing because they want to keep everything in house for them, you know, but they don't yeah, have yeah. the the bodies to do the customer support. So these people are kind of left hanging in the wind. But I think our best we do is we do a lot of social media. We just, you know, we ask for referrals. We get a lot of referrals. Um, I think the big thing for us is probably people think we're smaller and they just think maybe we can't handle, but I mean, we handle multi-million dollar a month businesses. It's not, yeah. it's not a problem for us. Everybody gets the equal uh, support and you know I've got a gentleman that repairs typewriters still and he does maybe six hundred dollars a month. Well, he's going to get the same level of support as this massive winery we have that does one to two million dollars a, a month in in processing for their their wine club. So I, I, it's been a hard road because it's an industry where they as soon as you say what you do, they're like, oh God, I can see the pain on their face. And I go, please listen. I know it sounds trite. We're the antithesis of that. We're just going to do the right thing. We're going to take care of you. We're going. I mean, I've had employees that were biking at a concert, um, asleep, so on a trip, and you know, we take calls twenty four hours a day, and that's just what you have to do. So I think majority has been just really trying to push over the years above that noise of these big operators, and 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 uh, and tell. I just tell them. I say, give me fifteen minutes. That's all I need. And, and I love my industry because. My goal is to not cost you anything. I'm here to mm. save you money. So you're literally yeah. almost not purchasing anything from me. I'm literally here to cut what you're paying right now. So you would think there would be people falling all over that offer. And there are often, most times there are, but uh, there's just a lot of people that just don't believe it. They're just so yeah. burnt from so, you know years and years of bad experience that, um, and then you run into people who think they know everything about the industry of small business. And, and sometimes they're quite well-versed. But when you start to uncover and peel away the layers of the onion and they realize how much they've been taken advantage of or they thought they could read a statement and they can't, you know, as I say, you get the good, bad and the ugly. There's the elated person. There's the, oh, interestingly educated. And then sometimes we get some very angry. There's my word again, bitter People go, I can't believe this. And I go, look, I'm sorry that happened to you, but that's in the past. Please, let's just go focus on the forward and how we can fix today, next day, the day after that for them. So that's that's probably the biggest road for us to hoe is undoing all of 
all of that bad negative, you know, it's like somebody getting out of a really bad toxic relationship and can't believe that there's a, don't believe there's a way out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it sounds to me from, from, from everything that we've talked about today, that in terms of any kind of growth plan for the future, it's really, you've got, you, you, you're more keen on keeping your foundations in place and your principles in in place and staying true to who you are and then kind of just let the business do what it's going to do as long as you're you're kind of you know yeah. doing the you know yeah the and i think uh, I, I think about it every day wherever my mom is floating around she told me a line one many years ago and she said only you can take your reputation away yeah um you know it's nobody else so i think i live by that tenet every day is you just have to take it. Yes, you have to look long term, but you just have to take every day at a time because it's amazing. I'm sure you would agree how fast life goes, especially, God, the older you get. My God, I can't believe it's November. Hello. Um, but I think, you know, it's amazing. You'll think when you look at it at a day by day circumstance, you're like, God, this is this is just going to drag on forever. It's amazing as those days, each day is a brick that you're building. And I think um, it's amazing when you look back and you go, God, I built that. And I was just focusing on that next day, that first week, that whatever. And, um, yeah, I'm immensely proud and immensely happy. And I think you have to love what you do too. And you have to believe in it. And there's a lot of business owners. I think maybe you would agree, Robert, that they think they have to be an entrepreneur. Like everybody, I think that burned out of the pandemic. A lot of people obviously had time to sit at home and think about whether they liked what they did or not, which is great. They should be having those conversations. But I think with the advent of social media, making it look so fantastic and amazing, and I'm sure you'd agree, there's a lot of ugly days versus good days too. Mm -hmm. And everybody's just showing that good glossy, you know, there's someone on the phone and, you know, just, you know, you know, what's it snapping checks and snapping necks and cashing checks and all this whatever silly nonsense the whole kind of girl you know girl boss and you know all this yeah oh god please please don't boss babe i can't oh god that's one way to make me walk away from you quickly but um i think they just thought they everyone thought they had to have a business and i think they're just picking things you know there's there's people working from home selling makeup products or this or that and then they're wondering why they don't like it it's like do you really believe in it did you just think you had something you had to do did it look cool on instagram did someone sell you. I mean, you have to really, you have to pick a, I'm pleased with myself because not only what I put the structure I put around myself for my business, but I figured out essentially the problem I was going to solve. You were going to go and fix really horrible, uh, you know, suits. And maybe we can talk about how bad Henry Cavill looked at that premiere yesterday. That man should not wear double breasted suits. I didn't Um, see it. I didn't see it. Yeah. He, okay. We will. We are. I. I'm. I was going to tailor the talk in yes. the direction of. So don't. Yeah. yeah you can finish your point, and then yeah. I'll. I'll get yeah. you there. No. I. I think people just. Um. You know. They think. Well, my. And I had that problem too. Initially, like you hang your shingle out, you start your business, and you're like, all right, everybody, come on in. It's like, that's not how this works. Not only do you have to convince somebody to come into your store or whatever place mm. of business. For me, I feel a little comfy in that, yeah, there's a bit of money exchanging hands, but mostly I'm here to save you money, which is great. But people, you have to convince people not only come in like what you do, but actually exchange money for what you're offering. And I don't know why people think that that is, you know, somebody's just going to magically appear and and they're going to be here and all your problems are going to be solved and your rent's paid. No, I think you have to, you have to fundamentally figure out the problem you're going to solve. And are you passionate about it? Otherwise, don't do it. I mean, don't yeah. do it. And that's why there's serial entrepreneurs, right? Kind of like 
uh, wade you had on before like mm-hmm. they they know when they're done with their 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 this pro, you know this project has come to an end and you if you're listening to your head and your heart and you know you're ready for the next thing close the door on that one and move on don't keep trying to resuscitate something because the worst thing you can do is wasting not only your money but your time this this life is very short and people should really be cognizant of that i think yeah absolutely definition of insanity and all of Mm -hmm. that as well um so you have an office in uh ohio and you have another one in california and one thing i've heard a lot from my east coast coast clients the impression i now have is that people in california just walk around in pajamas all day eat drinking drinking smoothies and eating sushi but what's it really really like out there from a fashion point of view it's terrible. It's, it's awful. I, it's, it's, it's the, the problem is the, the, what is the phrase, Robert, the athleisure has taken over, I think from the pandemic as well. And bless the women yeah. that can wear, can wear that all day long. God bless you. You know, Lululemon's made a killing here from overpriced see-through tights. I'm sure men love that and women, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's just terrible. It's, um, I I am very much, you know, as I said, I grew up watching my mother always dressed spectacularly. I mean, and people don't even dress on planes, Robert. Like when I fly, I always have something nice on a collared blouse, something nice slacks. I mean, something I my mom used to make this joke. We'd get on a plane and you'd see. I mean, I remember once we got on a plane and a guy had his things in a trash bag and put them above. And my mother turned to me and she said, if we don't go down, I don't want my bones mixed with these people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, I had a dad, three piece suit, his very tall, big man. He was a banker and six foot five, 300 pound man. He had uh, uh, from, and I have all of his suits. I've kept everything. And that's, I have to figure out what to do. I used to steal his, his waistcoats and wear them to school, like with the blouse and people mm. like, what the hell are, why are you dressed like that? But you know, he'd do French cuffs and tie pins. And when he would travel, he would literally, Robert, put tissue paper in each of the sleeves of his suit so that he would minimize his wrinkling and traveling mm-hmm. and things like that. And it just there's no pride of appearance. And this pandemic has just made it a, a mess. I mean, people it, don't yeah. even comb their hair. I mean, these girls just uh, put it in a knot. And I go, what if this is the last day of your life? What if you get hit by a bus? And this is you know, this, they're going to bring you out in the corner and this is what you look like. I go, I can't, it just, no, I love, there's so many, uh, there's so many, I'm sure you agree, good and bad designers out there, but they're out there and you just have to figure out your own style. And I think a lot of men and women just read what's popular and go, that's for me. And it's like, like I said, my, he doesn't know it yet, but future husband, Henry Cavill, one of your imports, uh, um, you know, it, it, they just they, they they just see something and they think, oh, that should work for me. No, you have to figure out your style and you have yeah. to look and you have to be, do you feel comfortable in it too? And I see so many men and women, they look so uncomfortable and when they do try and dress up or wear something. And I don't like this fast fashion or these, these trends with these little tiny purses and things, you know, and then these, oh, these, these bags across the, you know, they wear across mm-hmm. the chest. I go, what? a nice briefcase or something like, please, something timeless. You, you'll spend yeah. less money. Yeah, yeah. You may put your know, front towards a quality piece. You can wear a good suit for a, a good few years. If you take good care of mm-hmm. it. I mean, yeah, I just don't understand it. So forgive me. I get a bit emotional about it, but yes, it's a long answer to your question. It's terrible in California. 
yeah Terrible. it's uh yeah. you know the whole athleisure th- i mean we even in our our sort of pattern books now we even have a drawstring waistband feature um Ooh. yeah i know but you know what i've been saying to people you know because people will argue and say well you know now we're in a different world of work and the world's changed and hybrid this and blah 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 um and you know the suit's dead the suit's not dead actually i think it's still the gold standard. i'll tell you a story when mm. so during the pandemic so we had new neighbors move in across the road so they didn't know us um and they'd never seen me in a suit because pandemic happens my business shuts down so mm-hmm. I'm at home a lot of the time. And then I basically just to keep myself busy while I kind of tried to figure it out. I was doing delivery, Uber Eats, you know, I was basically delivering pizzas and stuff, whatever. And um, uh, after a few weeks, my clients got in touch. Some of my clients got in touch and said, listen, we're, we're buying stuff online, casual stuff online. Can you make any of it? Because you have my measurements and, you know, none of this stuff fits me. And I was like, yeah, there's no reason why I can't. So I started to go out to see clients um, at home. It's kind of weird doing appointments like that where they're stood in their front door and you're in their front garden or their driveway, <laughs> and you know, like from, from here, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, socially distanced and all of that. But, but I had to, you know, started to dress the way that I normally do, three-piece suit, tie, tie pin, cufflinks, blah. I'm just getting the the car ready and I hear whistling from across the street and like my neighbors are hanging out the windows <laughs> and uh wolf whistling and and I was like what the hell is wrong with you lot and and they were like wow you look absolutely amazing and I was like but I dress like this norm- oh nobody's seen me <laughs> dress like this cuz you right. all moved in post when covid right. started and I and I, I kind of drove off with a huge smile on my face. God knows how I fit my head in the car. Um, <laughs> but I thought to myself, do you know what? This, when you want to really look your best as a guy, the suit is still the gold standard. And I think it it always will be. Absolutely. But um, one thing, so, so what I say to people who are like, well, I don't have to wear a suit because of what I do or whatever. And I said, sort of, fine, you don't have to wear a suit or you don't even want to that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but you know with i'm talking more and more to people about considered dressing at least look like you thought about what you put on in the morning before you walked out the door because taking pride in your parents means you take pride in what you do and if you're going to see a potential new client or an important customer you might be managing the the payment processing systems at their business you might be their wealth manager or whatever it is mm-hmm. you need to look like you care about details yes at whatever 100%. level 100%. so you know i think personal presentation is important um but it and, and obviously it should reflect who you are and you should be comfortable and all the rest of it but at least look like you freaking thought about it yes uh, and it wasn't an afterthought so yeah absolutely yeah. i agree i believe, i agree and there's a lot of great um I've had some suits made. I've um, I, there's a lot of great women tailors coming up and coming too, which is fantastic. And I, you can play it up. Why not? I mean, I've worn ties before, and you know, sometimes you put some very, I mean, you know, nice. But like, I've worn sometimes sneakers underneath them just for fun or something like that. I mean, there's a way to dress it up. But yeah, I just love it, and I feel great in a suit. And I see a mm-hmm. lot of men when I see. I mean, you you know, I mean, it's a it's a 
it's a visual thing. You see men in suits. I'm immediately, oh, I mean, I've been at events where I'm not, I mean, completely ignoring who I'm talking to because there's someone in like a seersucker suit over there that was at a summer party. I'm like, I'm not taking my eyes off you. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it is. I mean, I think it's, I think people should take advantage of your, it's another tool in your chest, whether you're in sales or anything else, you're looking to date, something like that. I don't care what you say. So you're going to stand out. And I think, I think who wouldn't want that? Absolutely. Yeah. I use a uh, I use a Vespa a scooter to get around uh, some days as well. I'm one of my some of my friends call me Bruce Wayne because I have any number of different types of vehicles I use to get about, and I mm-hmm. dress really well as well. Um, but um, but there was this this one time recently, and this this actually kind of generally happens a lot anyway. But so I'm I'm on the Vespa, you know, kind of looking like some brown version of Cary Grant without any <laughs> hair from Roman Holiday or whatever. And uh, I pull up outside this client's office, but there's nowhere to park. So I just kind of sling it outside on the pedestrian thing where I'm not supposed to, but I, I just needed to run in to drop something off for him. So I get off the the scooter, but I'm listening to a podcast and it's almost finished. So I'm kind of just standing there um and uh you know take my helmet off and i'm just kind of organizing myself or whatever and uh this this lady um she she's from across the road with her dog she runs across i've got my airpods in i can't hear a word she's saying but she's just gesticulating wildly and you know her mouth is kind of going at 100 miles an hour and i i thought okay she's telling me off for parking where i've parked No need to right. use any energy that we don't need to use. Let's just, so I take my AirPods off and I said, I'm so sorry. I could not hear a word you were saying. Tell me. She said, I was saying to you, I just had to run over from across the road to tell you that this, the <laughs> Vespa, the suit, your combination, the tie, all of it, you look amazing. I just had to tell you that you made my day. And I love she, it. And then she walked off. Yeah. Oh, I and love I, it. I just kind of said after her, you just made mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here you were ready for a dressing down and it was because you got dressed up. Yeah. But you see when, yeah. you know, cause, cause, cause men really make jokes when they shouldn't because they're, cause we're idiots most of the time. <laughs> And, you know, I get a lot of my clients saying, oh, you know, like people must think you're overdressed everywhere you go. And so on. I'm just like, dude, I have women crossing the road to tell me that I look amazing. Right. Isn't yeah. That, wouldn't D- you want that? Don't you? Yeah. Don't you want that for yourself? hundred yeah. percent. So yes. one good thing about the pandemic is it's actually made me stand out even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's, you know, to, to 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 for someone to come over and tell you that you know, you look amazing or that you made their day or whatever. Especially in this day and age, that, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, with all this misery going on around. So mm-hmm. it just makes me want to, you know, just continue to dress up every single day, apart from, like, you see me today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Next, if we do no. this again, I will, I, <laughs> yeah. I promise. I'll I've seen, I've been to your website. In my mind, you're right. You're already you dressed like that. So yes, of course. Of course I went to your website. Are you well, kidding just, me? Yes. While you're listening to my podcast, all you have to do is just have the cover image on, on display yes. in, in your screen. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, uh, so yeah. Um, I'm just conscious of time, um, yeah. Jamie, but um, I, you lot, check out polypay.com, especially my listeners in the States, because there are loads of you now, which is really cool. And thank you so, Fantastic. so much as well. I really appreciate Yeah, it, it really is. Um, but but thank you so much. I always ask everybody, have you had fun today? 
I've had an amazing time. Thank you so much. It was, this made my day. Thank you. I've been looking forward to our conversation for a long time and it was everything I hoped and more. So thank you. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. I hope that we can, we can do this again. I just, it was just so great to get your insight. And also for me, it was, it was, it was like affirmation that the things that I've been doing for so many years are, uh, you know, what your what the way that your attitude to customer service and so on is, is exactly in line with everything that I've always believed in and will continue Oh, lovely. To. That's good to hear. Thank you. Good no, to hear. You're absolutely welcome. So polypay.com is where people need to head to if they're thinking, yes. hey, this sounds awesome. Like I'm not yes. getting service like that right now. No, my terminal's 10 years old. Something like that. Yeah, anything yeah. like that. If you if you haven't had a phone call for a while, yeah, maybe it's time to have a chat. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Jamie, I wish you all the best. Please, please keep in touch. Yes, um, thank you. And uh yeah, we hopefully we will be able to do this again. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe I could give you an episode where you can be the host of Tailoring Talk and then I can be your guest and you can just ask me whatever you want. about. I'd love it. Yes, I'd love it. Oh, a dream. I'd love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for joining Jamie and I on this episode. Don't forget that Tailoring Talk is now on Instagram at Tailoring Talk Podcast. And you know I love feedback, so you can also email the show directly at tailoringtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. You can also click the share button in your player to send the show on to people you know. And if you're enjoying Tailoring Talk and feel compelled to throw some change our way and support the show, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Roberto Revilla. Have a great week, and I'll see you on the next one. 